Okay. I'm not catching your humor, brother, but thanks for speaking up. I like the, I like the enthusiasm. I like... So, so there's different kinds of love, right? There's eros, and these are all Greek words, agape, phileo, right? Eros, that romantic kind of love. What else is love? What's love? Love is patient. Now, where do you find that at? Nice. First Corinthians chapter thirteen is one of the one of the really most clear, like just straightforward definitions of what love is, right? What, and what does it say in First Corinthians thirteen? Somebody, maybe pull out your book. Love is patient. I don't know if you can you see that. I can't see it. Love is patient or long suffering. What else is love? Love is kind. Kind. What else is? I think that's going to be dry, maybe. What else is love? Love is the strongest force in the universe and holds everything together because He holds everything together and He is love. Did y'all hear that? Something like love is everything. What was it? Love is the the strongest force in the universe and holds all things together because He is love and holds all things together. Wow. Love has a lot to do with it, doesn't it? What else is love? Love's patient, love's kind, love's the strongest force. What is it? It does not envy. Oh, yeah, that's a little better. Does not envy. What else? Does not boast. Let me catch up with you. Does not boast. Always what? Always believes the best. What else is it? Always, this is really interesting, always trusts. What else? Always hopes. That's a big one. Whoops, hopes. That's my S. All, uh, I'm sorry, you said what? Doesn't keep record of wrongs? Does not. So in 1 Corinthians 13, it tells us what love is and what love isn't pretty clearly. Um, thank you. Does not keep records. If you're keeping files, keeping records, building evidence, guess what that is not? Love, right? Let's keep records of wrongs. Anything else? Never fails. Never fails. Anything else? Always. I think it says always in there, doesn't it? Always protects. Anything else? Endures. Anything else? Provides. What was it over here? I can't hear you. Thank you. Does not insist on its own way. Oh, that's another good part. We're going to get to that. I like that. So, that's a, that's a really good starter list of what love is. Now, under your chairs or on your chairs, you've got a little piece of paper like this, okay? I want you to pull that piece of paper out. I want you to fold it in half. So, kind of turn it, you know, I guess this is called landscape, kind of long ways. 
you know, left to right, long ways, and then the, the shorter height is up and down. I should have folded in half like that, increase it. Okay? Now you're going to need a pen, so dig in your purse or borrow one from your neighbor or whatever it takes, raise your hand. Maybe the ushers have an extra pen, so you're going to need a pen for this exercise. While you're getting a pen, I want you to tell, as you unfold it, you've got that crease in the middle, okay? Hands up for pens. Thank you, ushers. On the left hand, your left hand side, was it going to be this way, of the crease, I want you to write these down. This is right out of 1 Corinthians 13. What, what is love? It's patient, so write patient, kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast. Always just write down the list that we just had here, okay? Never fails, always protects. And write, write them along the, the left, very left edge so there's still a little space uh, on the right side of the half sheet. So write them here, top to bottom. You might have to write small, but it's all right. Leave a little bit of space here yet. You can write those down. While you're writing them down, one of the things I'm going to have you do in a moment is to just give yourself a little self-assessment. A little number from 1 to 10 about how you are experiencing that aspect of love currently. Okay, so write them down. While you're writing, I'm going to keep explaining. Some of you might not be able to see, so I'm going to help you a little more here. Uh, always hopes, trusts, always trusts, always believes the best. Does, I, it, I said does boast. Let me, let me fix that. Does not boast. All right. It's kind. It's patient. Okay. As you get those down, I'm going to give you a few more moments, and behind each one of these, I want you to just do a little self-assessment, just your own opinion about, and hear this, how you are experiencing that dimension of love currently in your life. You say, what do you mean? Here's what I mean. It, it means how you're experiencing it, whether how you are receiving it from others around you, or how you are giving it, it's how much from a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being next to nothing or, or nothing, 10 being full-on, 100%, all that's available. How much is trust, let's say, living in your life? How, at what level are you experiencing trust? Whether that's trusting others or feeling trusted by others. Either way is fine. But how much are you experiencing trust? Okay? And same thing with, with patience. How much are you experiencing patience in your life? Whether that's patience expressed towards you or you toward others. How much is that dimension of love living and active and in use in your life? Now, there's no right or wrong answer here. I guess uh, it's, just, it's just an idea about whether this part of love, this dimension is active and in your life, okay? So go ahead and do that if you haven't already. One to ten. One is next to nothing. Ten is all that's available. How much are you experiencing these dimensions of love in your life? 
if you're choosing not to do it, you might just want to ask yourself, why? What's the thinking of not doing this? Because whatever that thinking is, it's not only maybe holding you back here in receiving something really powerful from the Lord and identifying and removing anything that hinders love, but it may also be stopping you from other things that are really important in your life too. Just the way of thinking. Okay? Maybe it's I already have it figured out. Maybe it's I know it all. Maybe it's I don't trust you. Maybe it's I don't understand. Whatever it is, just we call it in the workshops, you know, play detective on yourself. What's the behavior and, and what's the thinking behind it? Hmm. How many need more time? Raise your hand. Need more time? Raise your hand to, to finish that. Everybody got it? All right. Good. Thank you. You can put that down for a moment. Now, um, in January of this year, I had an opportunity to go to Moravian Falls and uh, was there for a conference, but I also visited the gravesite of Bob Jones. How many of you ever heard of the prophet Bob Jones? Just show of hands. Anybody? Not that many, okay. Uh, Bob is one of those extremely rare individuals in the earth, or was. <laughs> uh, he, he's passed away now. But um, just a, a profound guy who had such deep rivers of the Spirit. I mean, all the things we, you know, we like to talk about, the supernatural and, and healing and, and all of that. He was just well experienced in all of that, but especially in just his intimacy with God and the places God would take him and the things God would show him and, and the prophecies that, that he, would, he would share, the Lord was sharing. Anyway, in the, back in the 1970s, Bob died. And he had a, a, a you know, a, call it a near-death experience. He was actually dead, so, but he, he was with the Lord. And he was having a conversation with the Lord. Some of you know the story. It's a, it's a great, great uh, prophecy. But the whole basic encounter with the Lord came down to the end, and the Lord says, you know, you're going back. And he says, I don't want to go back. No, please. I, not, not, not finally. I mean, look at this, right? And the Lord says, no, you're going to go back. And, and the, the primary thing the Lord really expressed to him is you're going back because you're going to learn to love. And he says, make sure, this is my paraphrase, make sure everybody knows that when it's all done and they're all here, ultimately what I'm going to ask everybody is, did you learn to love? Now we don't have that in Scripture. I know that, right? We know there's going to be, but, but we know every word, every thought, every deed. We know all that's going to be you know, openly displayed and and one of the things I really believe that the Lord is going to be most keenly interested in is, did you learn to love? Why? I mean, of all things. How, not, it's not how many people did you save. It's not how much money did you make. It's not how much expansion to the kingdom did you do. You know, all, but it's, did you learn to love? Now, why do you think that's so important to the heart of the Lord? Anybody have an idea? Because He is love. So, did you learn to be like me? Did you learn to be one with me? Did you represent me? Did you represent me in the earth like love, like I am? That's a pretty good answer. Any other thoughts? Why is this so important to, to our Father that we learn to love? 
Yeah. What's your name? Mark? Mark, thank you. I love the Word of God. It's alive in you. Well done to hide it in your heart. He said, because love is the greatest commandment. Here's another, here's another look at that, right? They were asking Jesus, what's most important? You know, come on, give us the, I mean, the big stuff because we want to make sure to get it. And Jesus was really clear, wasn't he? He said, what did he say, Mark? Yeah, pretty much. He said, all the law and the prophets, everything summed up in this. Love the Lord your God with all, right? Your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, what's the next part? Love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. So, here's another interesting point. In terms of who are we... Who are we directed to love? First, we see we're directed to love God with all, right? Second, to love our neighbor. As third, ourself. Anybody else in Scripture that we're directly commanded to love? Our enemies. Uh-oh. I mean, I was kind of tracking with you, Randy, but now this has really crossed the line. Well, anybody else we're commanded to love? Husbands, love your wives. All the wives say? Amen. I heard a laugh and a chuckle, but I didn't hear the comment. You want to share? I'd like to... Well, <laughs> these are just how they're coming out. They're not necessarily here. I gave order to the, the... Anybody else were commanded to love directly? That kind of covers it, doesn't it? Love God. Love our neighbors. Who is, right? who is our neighbor, right? Anybody that's around. Love ourselves. Love our enemies. Husbands love wives. Now, I, it'd be nice if wives love husbands too. That would work better. But that Scripture, right? It's actually... The admonition to wives is to what? Respect, Respect or honor. Interesting. Slightly, slightly different aspect of, of love. Now, so we kind of have an idea of what love is. We have a, a, an idea of who we're commanded to love. So, I'm going to give you an opportunity now to experience moving this all from concept into your heart, okay? Because here's what, here's what the Word of God says. It says in Proverbs 23, 7, As a man or woman thinketh in their heart, so are they. So if we actually want to love, it's not something that's going to happen just from our head. Because how we are flows out of our heart and what we believe in our heart. I mean, several of us, how many times have you been taught about love in, in your faith walk? Once? A hundred times? A lot? Okay, so, and it's good teaching, and, and it's right here, and some of it has probably hopefully trickled down, right? But I tell you, there is something in the heart, I believe, the heart of God 
that wants us to experience His love at completely new levels and empower us from that encounter to love others at completely new levels. And it just has to be to please Him. It has. If we are really representing Him to the world, we are presenting the God who is love. If I am one with Him and He is one with me, which that's what it says, Jesus said, Father, let them be one with us just as we are one. We can't escape that there has to be a living, growing, uh, measurable demonstration of God's love coming through our lives. It's inescapable. It, either, it is one of those, either it is or it isn't. right? And in growing measure. This is a big deal. This is a big... You wonder why we have divorces? Lack of love. You have wars? No love. Or, or little love. You know why? We have, right? You know why we have corruption? No love. You wonder why we have sin, rampant, disease? You track it back down, you can, it, it, it tracks eventually, at least in part, to this very thing. A lack of love. Of respect, of honor, of believing the best. Of not boasting, of not envying, right? Of forgiving. It's a big deal. You know what Carney needs most? And the people of Carney need most? What do they need? Love. No, they need money. <laughs> no, they need a job. No, they, well, they might need that. But most, mostly they need love. They need God's love. They need your love. And it's, if it's flowing through you and you and Him are one, the love you share with them is from God. And they need it. Desperate. We all need it. You want to know, those of you who are unhappy right now, and you know what the answer is? What do you think? I know you're telling me the right answer, love. Right? That's, what, that's what you want us to say, right, Randy? Because if you ask a question and we're talking about love, I'm supposed to say love. Yeah. No, but drill down and see. It's either an expression and a receiving of God's love for me, His unconditional love that says I'm enough. <sighs> It says I'm forgiven. It says I have the fullness of God in me. That's what it says in Colossians 2. Whoa. He's not holding anything back from me. Whoa. Huh. So, here's what I'm going to have you do in just a moment. Uh, you're going to Partner off in groups of two. Okay? Husbands and wives, you need to do this together. So if you need to move or whatever to get in a, in a pairing with your spouse because you're sitting in a different place, whatever, you want to do that. Uh, other than that, everybody else, yeah, I'm going to encourage you, ladies, to find a lady, guys, to find a guy. Just to make it a little less awkward in some ways. Okay? So married couples, you're together. If, if not other, I want you to find other ladies so you can move around. I want you to get beside each other, close sitting in you know, the next seats to each other so you can hear. And once you're there, I'm going to give you some instructions. So do that now. Everybody get in a pairing of two. All across the place. Um, get, get, let me get through this just a little bit. It'll take just a second. Thank you.
Okay, anybody not have a partner? Raise your hand. We want to make sure you get paired up. We got, I see one over here. Do we have a, a lady? And one over here, a young man, anybody? Here's a young man all the way. There you go. Do we, is there a, a, a female that doesn't have a partner anywhere? Right here, Sarah? Right here? She's coming. Anybody else need a partner? Raise your hand. Right back here, we have, we have another, um, another man. He's in the back there, friend. There you go. We have another uh, male that needs somebody or is, is not got a partner. Right here? Okay, in the back row. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Very good. Nice. Some of you are like, man, I'm already way uncomfortable. I just moved my seat. You know, <laughs> It'll be worth it, okay? Um, where did the young man go I was sending you back to? Did he walk out? Well, there he is. There you go. There's a partner. Okay, now listen carefully. One of the two in your group is going to be number one, and one's going to be number two. You decide right now, and then you hold up the finger of which number you are, if you're either one or you're two. Everybody decide in your pairing who's one and who's two, and everybody hold up your finger, either one or two. Okay? Now here's my suggestion to you. Just keep that, that number up, you know, rest your hand, but keep that number so you can remember as we go through this. So who's one and who's two? Okay, now you can put your hands down. Just remember. Okay, in a moment... After the instructions, number one, you are going to ask number two this simple uh, question over and over. I'm going to give you maybe four minutes, four or five minutes, three, three to five minutes while we have some soft piano music playing to kind of give a little bit of privacy. You're going to ask him this question. You're going to say, tell me about a time in your life that involved love. And that person is going to share. Now, I want you to share appropriately, of course. But this could be, this could be a time that was uh, you were expressing love. You were giving a gift. You were doing something loving. You can share about that. It may be a time when you were receiving love. Some, something that somebody did for you that really, really you know, blessed you. But, and, and here's the thing. You don't have to get super detailed, but just give you know, a sentence or two about what it was and maybe how you felt. Like, I remember a time when my dad took me to the football games with him and he was officiating and I felt important to him. And then as soon as that is quiet, number one, you're going to ask the same question again. Okay, this is called a dyad. Uh, There's groups of two. And you're going to just keep asking Tell me about another time in your life that involved love. And then number two, you're going to respond. Now, if you want to get really, really detailed on something that happened that was really important and impactful, you could do that. But I'm looking for you know, several responses for you to get the, the juices flowing as to how you experience love. Okay, And so the question is, tell me about a time in your life that involved love. Number two, you're going to share. When you go to silent, number one, you ask again, tell me about another time in your life that involved love. Now, it's important. You're not getting into a discussion. So number one, you're not going to 
fix anything, add anything, celebrate anything. You're just asking the one question, number one, is what you're saying over and over. Tell me about another time in your life that involved love. Okay? Number two, you're going to be sharing whatever you're sharing about a time where you gave love specifically or, or received love specifically that was really meaningful to you. Okay? Is there any questions about what we're about to do? Do we need any more clarity? Okay, now, I will come back in after, uh, after a few minutes and I will switch it around and then we'll reverse it. Okay, then number two will say that same question to number one. But let me, let me switch it. So just continue to go and continue to go and continue to go with that question. Tell me about a time in your life that involved love. Okay? All right. Music. Number one, ask the question to number two. Tell me about a time in your life that involved love. Begin. Tell me about a time in your life that involved love. Continue on. Tell me about another time in your life that involved love.
Tell me about another time that involved love. About another minute, one more minute. Tell me about a time in your life that involved love. Okay, thank you. You can please stop talking now, thank you. Now we're gonna flip it, okay? Partner number two, same question to partner number one. And you're gonna listen, partner two, not talk. Here it is again, tell me about a time in your life that involved love. Partner two, begin. Tell me about another time in your life that involved love.
Tell me about a time in your life that involved love. Another minute, one more minute. Okay, thank you. Please stop talking. Now we're going to do one more question, but a lot shorter time, just about one minute each. And I'm going to invite some guests up here for uh, some wisdom to come out, and then we'll see where we go from there. Partner one, this is your, your statement now, okay? Here it is. Tell me what you think may be hindering love in your life. Tell me, what do you think may be hindering love? Or let's just shorten it up. What's hindering love in your life? That's what we'll do. It's easier. What's hindering love in your life? And you're going to share out of that, okay? Just shortly. So partner one, you're going to ask that to partner two. And again, over and over as they are sharing, you don't have long. So here we go. Partner one, begin. What is it that is hindering love in your life? Begin. your fear, maybe you choose not to trust, maybe you isolate yourself, maybe you assume the worst about others, what is it, what's hindering love? You, you stop talking. Let's flip it around. Partner two. Now you ask partner one. Same question. What is hindering love in your life? Begin.
What's hindering love? About 10 seconds. All right, thank you. Please stop talking. Go back to your little sheets of paper I gave you. On the back side of the one where you wrote what love is and gave yourself a rating, on the back side of that same half, Make some notes about what you discovered is hindering you from love. Make some notes for you about what you discovered was hindering you from love. While you're doing that, I want to ask uh, Pastor Ray and Pastor Jonathan to come if they would. You can keep putting notes on there if you want. Now, that other half sheet that you have that's blank, here's what that's for. If you have a specific question around love or anything that's come up and you'd like this expert panel up here to, uh, to answer or to give, give a response to, you can tear that off so you keep the one half. Write your little question out and we'll get that and see you know, how many we have time. We don't have time to get to too many, but we'll, we'll take you know, a few of them. While you're doing that, though, I've asked these guys to come and share some of the wisdom that they've, they've gleaned in how to love, and especially in a couple of areas. We look at the people we identified we need to love. We need to love God. We need to love our neighbor, ourself, our enemies, and husbands love wives. We know that that's just very commanded, straightforward. So um, I'll start with you, Ray. Ray, Pastor Ray Beavis, yesterday was his 40th wedding anniversary. Yeah. There's probably some in here been married longer than that. You've been married longer than 40 years. Raise your hand. Yeah, so you've got, uh, you've got some insights as well. But and, and, you know, rest assured that he took her out for a, a nice big trip, overnighter, and he assures me that, uh, you know, him being with us here is, it was all well planned. But he was sharing some things yesterday morning with me as I was just asking him, and they were just, just they were really profound to me. And I asked him if he would share some of his secrets uh, any husbands like to pick up a few secrets on how to love your wives? All right, you got a good audience. So, Ray, share with us. Well, I started in the hole. I grew up in a Christian home, went to church. My dad was a pastor. But as far as I could tell, he didn't love my mom. And I, I learned to find out that a lot of Christians uh, say love, but they just mean nice. Like, I'm nice to her, I'm nice to her. But I, I just didn't see it. And I was worried when I met my wife, she was a beauty, I was ready to marry her, but I didn't have a clue. And I actually went to a couple of marriage conferences when I was a senior in high school, I was not the end. I just, I just had to know what does love look like? 
like to see my mom adjusting and trying to keep some engine for my dad. And so I wanted to know, and that, that became a regular conversation that I would have with mentors. So when I got married, I was talking with a guy who was maybe five or six years older than me, and just saying how in college I wanted to get a good job, so I, I wanted to be the best I could be in college, so I could have the best job, best job I could have. And he said to me, you know, when you go through life, you, you can't be your best at everything. And I said, well, what do you mean? Well, you only have so much time and energy. You can only be your best at one or two things. And other things you'll be good at. But you just won't have enough time or energy to be your best at everything. So what are you going to be your best at? And as we talked, I literally decided I was going to be my best as a husband. And... Uh, then secondly, when I went on to school and got involved in ministry, I decided to be my second best in ministry. And so it was tough for me thinking, I'm going to be my third best in school. And that might mean then my grades aren't as good as they could be, because I could be a, an all-star student. But that kind of thinking got me going in marriage. That I can only be my best, level best, at a couple things. And so I'm going to be the best husband I can possibly be. Any other, any other secrets uh, to longevity that you're sharing? Yeah, another a huge lesson was that uh, conflict is the doorway to intimacy. And whoa, so, whoa, whoa, say that again. Say that again. That the future we long for, like getting closer and closer, better and better friends, uh, heart to heart, uh, in the, the deepest possible way, the doorway to that is conflict. And so it's easy, it was easy for me as a young man to think the doorway or conflict is the doorway to the death of a relationship. Uh, and if you think that, then of course you avoid conflict. But even in, in friendships with guys, you get to know each other when you start pushing and you get some pushback. <laughs> yeah, I know. You, conflict is the doorway. Like if somebody tells you no, you get to know something about you. He heats up and all of a sudden you think, well, I didn't know that about you. And I get to know you better through conflict. And we actually work through deeper things in conflict. So that was a huge lesson that when my wife started heating up or I started heating up, this was the doorway to deeper and better and more exciting. And not to run from it, but to step into it and learn how to walk through it. That was another one. Wow. Come on, they come in threes. Give us, give us strike three, man. Strike one, strike two. That was, you know, that was home run one, home run two. I'm just wondering why I'm sitting up here. Uh, <laughs> um, the other one was we said we decided we would never say the word divorce. Never. It would never, ever come up in any of our conversations. And we've thought about it, and we've wondered. There have been moments, but we've never said it. And so we've never had to recover from that kind of a statement, never had to recover from that kind of a conversation. We've never created that kind of hole. And that's been big. Thanks. You want anything to add to that specifically as it relates to wives, or we jump onto a different category there? Yeah, he covered wives. He covered that one. All right. I just don't want to get in trouble because mine's here. So, no, yeah. <laughs> now, I think the biggest thing for me with. Uh, in life is I'm, you may view me as a patient man, but, but I'm actually impatient. 
And it's one of the qualities that actually hinder love. And uh, I noticed that um, I, you know, I have a tendency to jump to conclusions and take things personally. And uh, in marriage, that's a, that's a cocktail for disaster. And so I'm learning how to, how to be patient and um, love unconditionally. And yeah. Yeah, not take things personally, but just seeing seeing the behavior as is what is what it is, and my behavior as is what it is, and just take the the emotion out of it. Yeah, you mentioned something in the office earlier about just this whole just vital importance of love. You, you yeah. remember? You share that? I thought that was well. Gosh, I'm and you guys. I, I try to be as vulnerable as possible in front of you guys. One one of the things that I've that's been a constant battle, but um, I've gotten more and more victory over is just fear in my life. You know. <sighs> Just a fear of failure, fear, uh, fear of man, you know, people's opinions, all that. And, and man, I've, I've had some great victory. But the one thing I've under, started to understand that helps me, like my weapon against fear, is love. One is asking God, Lord, uh, you know, how, how much do you love me? I'm sitting there, I'm having an anxiety attack or something, just can't go to sleep, and, and obviously bind the devil, you know, and all that. But it's a, but Lord, how much do you love me? Because the Bible says this that there's no fear in love. And so if his love comes, fear has to be displaced. And so asking him, how, how much do you love me? And, but then also in conflict with people, um, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, pleasing people or afraid of what someone thinks, um, when, I'm, when I can switch it to be, Lord, how much do you love them? And, and Lord, show me how to love that person. It's like love, where there's love, whether it be coming from him or from me towards, there, it's impossible for there to be fear. Yeah. I remember one of my my spiritual papas, Leif Hetland. They they call him in Pakistan the Apostle of Love. This is his life message. He got wrecked by the Father's love in an encounter that he had many years ago. And one of the impartations that man, I got it literally blew me back several feet when he prayed for me. Like I don't know how, what that does for you, but this is what happened. I'm just standing there, and he releases the love of the Father, and it literally blew me several feet back onto the floor and I felt what I've never felt at that level before Now I felt it since then many times but before that the level of peace the level of joy the level of security the level of safety the level of uh, purpose the, the clarity of life and importance and relationships like it was all in a moment prioritized and fully aware it's hard to put words to it but it was just my body felt it, my spirit felt it, my soul felt it. I began to laugh and just so I began to value myself and others at a whole nother level. And I began to see then and since then that as I received that love, I actually understood and could step into giving that love away, which before I couldn't do. I didn't, I didn't get it. I didn't have, it's one of those things that's caught maybe instead of taught. Right? I, I was giving what I knew by what I was taught, but this was something completely different. The love of the Father imparted just went to all of those places and just, you know, I hate to use the word wreck because it was like it actually made it right, but it like totally changed it and provided me with a whole new resource to be able to give away. Uh, so I'm, I'm finding I'm loving Him uh, better, I'm loving me better, I'm loving others better, all because I experienced that Father's love. How many of you experienced the, the Father's love? You know what I'm talking about, like this, this wave is just like all of His love, all of His, his for you, 
you know, all of that. Oh, it is uh, uh, profound. Um, Ray, I'm going to ask you to give a comment. John, you might chime in about loving enemies. While if you have a question, if you'll hold it up, maybe one of the ushers will grab it and bring it. If not, that's fine. Uh, are they up there on the front? Go ahead. Ray, well, share with us. I've always thought that loving our neighbors meant loving our neighbors, so I didn't know the people across the street, next door, you know, down the road, and so I pursued that. And I, I got a group of neighbors to come for a, a winter breakfast, and so they're sitting around the table, and they, they all know I'm a minister, and that's making them a little uncomfortable, but I'm trying to be funny and happy, and so we, we're going around and talking about what we do, and, and so... We come around to Bobby, who lives right across the street, and he just smiles at me and says, I don't believe any of that God, Bible, church, blankety, blank, 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 blank. <laughs> All righty. And his Catholic sisters, they're embarrassed, you know, like they know you don't talk to a priest this way. And, and uh, he's just grinning at me. Like he threw down the gauntlet. And uh, I was shocked. And so I said to him, Wow, thanks for being real. I am glad you're my neighbor. I bet there's a story behind that. And we moved on. He lost. <laughs> I didn't grab it. But uh, when God, God shows us his love for us by giving us gifts, gifts of the Spirit, my wife's a gift from God, all kinds of gifts. I know he loves me because he gives me gifts. So I just started giving Bobby gifts over several years. He loves wine. I don't even know wine, but if it's on sale, I buy a bottle of wine and I bring it to him on Thanksgiving. And I'll just say it's probably bad. It's cheap wine. I got it on sale. admire of it. He knows I'm trying. And literally, this Thanksgiving, I brought him a bottle of wine. Christmas, I bring him candied beer bacon. And he said to me, I love you. And so we're getting to know each other, but just giving gifts, being kind, not taking the bait, refusing to fight, and getting to know his story. It's a great way to love enemies. Wow. That great. Do you have anything on that piece you wanted to add? Or? No. Okay. Good. So is this the question you want us to start with this? So we've got a little bit of time, and, and if we're short on time, maybe you can take this up in another form or whatever. But the uh, question came in, how do you show love to your kids when you're really, underlined three times, so really, 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 really ticked at them. Just the sound of their voice ticks you off. <laughs> By the way, how many can relate to that? Anybody? Okay, we got several. So this. Thoughts, guys? Experts? I don't know. It's hard for me to... Well, let's go to the real experts. Moms? <laughs> yeah, right. Who has a thought? Or you got something, right? Yeah, I mean, as parents, we get, uh, I thought we only got 20 years. We actually get about 60 years before we die. Our kids are our kids for our whole lives. And so there are those moments where you don't know your kid anymore, you don't like your kid anymore, and you wonder, am I guilty? Am I the worst parent ever? But those are moments that are real, and you give yourself permission to be human. Like, we are human. And sometimes kids don't like their parents, and sometimes parents don't like their kids, and we're human. But we have next week, we have next year, and what makes the difference in raising kids is consistency, not perfection. 
It's a consistency says, you know, I've kind of lost what I longed for with you. I had a dream for how we would be, and it's not that way, and I miss you. It's, I'm, and I'm sorry. I know it's partly me. I'm really sorry. And I want to get to a different place for you, with you. And so it's consistency of stating how we want it to be with our kids, and they listen. It's consistency in admitting we failed when we failed. And the consistency of asking them to forgive us, which gives them all the power. You say, I'm sorry, you're keeping all the power. You ask somebody to forgive you, and you're giving them all the power to say, no, I'm not ready yet. I want to discuss it with you. <laughs> and so I think consistency wins the day, even when in the moment a battle may be lost or a storm may blow through. It, it's, uh, it's hard for me to stay mad at my daughter when um, I get down and snuggle with her. There's times, I mean, I had to force myself. I'm boiling because of, usually it's like direct defiance or lying or something, you know, that a four-year-old does. And when I just get down, um, she's going to bed, and I just, I force myself to lay down there with her and, and give her a kiss. And it's like, ah, I can't be mad at you right now. Snuggling always works. Snuggling works. I don't know. I think there's a chapter and verse on that. That sounds good. Moms, anybody got a ringer? You're just itching to, like, you've just got something that real... Real quick, and Jonathan, I'm watching. I'm mindful of time, so you take this right when you need to. Well, when I get mad at my kids, I kind of try to remember that when they're doing something wrong, and I am terribly irritated at them. And to remind me, my cute kids are now grown, and I still, I try to remember that God gets mad at me too, or upset with me when I do something wrong. But He's very, very forgiving. So I need to forgive my kids, too. I don't do any better than my kids do. <laughs> so if I can remember that, then I can remember to forgive my kids, and I know God's going to forgive me. Yeah. Thank you. I think uh, one of my thoughts is that it's not about the kids. It's about me and me managing my emotions. I don't know who this is, but it's for everybody. I get to manage my anger. I'm responsible for my ticked-offness. And, and so it's really punching something inside of me. It's really not them. And if I, if I can be aware, that's part of why we do the training, if I can be aware of what's really, what need in me is not getting met in this situation right now that I'm ticked off. Maybe it's a need for respect. Maybe it's a need for, you know, safety. Or maybe it's, but I have a need to be listened to or to be honored or to do what I want or to be in control or whatever. And if that need isn't met, then I'm ticked. Well, if I understand that at a deeper level, I can figure out, you know, this is really what's going on. It's not really them. It's me managing my need and getting my needs met. So what, what can I do to see that my needs get met here, even in behalf of my, my child? Right? I mean, really, I, I just believe this, that many of these characteristics of love, they're internal, right? They're heart things. They are character, the core thinking. And so to... To love and to show up with love in any, in any application at, toward anybody, there is that internal governing that I'm responsible for governing my thinking and I'm responsible for governing my heart. And I get to, just, I get to choose if I turn on the flows of anger or turn it off or other emotions. What's the insight, Kay? When my oldest son was a teenager, he had made me so angry. And I was complaining to the Lord, and he said to me, will you forgive him for not being perfect? 
I thought about it a minute and said, yes, Lord, I'll forgive him for not being perfect. None of us are perfect. And then he came back at me with, will you forgive him for not being your idea of perfect? That took a little longer. Took a little longer. Did you get there? I got there. And what changed as a result of that? I realized that my son was a gift from the Lord, and it was up to him to deal with him. Ah, so you had a set of expectations that weren't being met, and it was messing with you, and you decided that it was okay if he didn't meet him, going to love him, and some things shifted. That's good. I'm going to turn it over to you, man, for time's sake, whatever you'd like to do here. Hey, we're, um, man, what we should do is just do this every week or something. Maybe you guys can just turn in topics, and we'll talk about it. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Hey, um, before uh, before we end here, we're gonna we're gonna take up an offering for them. And I was just thinking, you know, we um, we'll have missionaries or different people come in, and uh, you know, like my parents will come, and they're missionaries in Trinidad, and and ministering to the low of the low, and different things like that. And some of you guys, maybe you've been on the mission field. And I was thinking about Randy and character genetics. And do you know want to know what his passion is? Um, not better than, just different. Is that he wants to minister to those that are at the um, the gates of society, the, the people in, in government, the people in business, the people, you know that they need Jesus too, you know? Um, and what would happen if the CEO of a company like radically turned his heart to the Lord or her heart to the Lord? Or what would happen if a, if a governor or a mayor of a town just got radically saved? And, and, uh, and that's really where his heart is. And so I've just asked, would you give in to the ministry of character genetics as Randy gets to go and minister to those people that are at the different gates of society? And so the, um, the ushers are going to come. I'm just going to pray right now. Lord, would you bless both the gift and the giver? Lord, I thank you for the ministry of Randy and Ray um, to this church. And, uh, Lord, the topic of love, of, of governing love in our life. Lord, I thank you for um, the impact Randy's having um, in Kearney and, uh, and regionally and, and around the nation and the world. And, Lord, would you continue to use him to impact those at the highest level of society, Lord, to, so that culture could shift, so that culture could shift towards a kingdom culture. And it's because of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you need to give online, you can do that, spiritoflifecarney.com. And uh, Leslie, if you, need to, um, if you need to give electronically, you can do that in the back. And uh, you can make checks out to Spirit of Life Church, and we'll, uh, and we'll write one check to him. Thank you. What I'm going to do is, uh, Randy and Ray have just a limited amount of time. They have, he's going to have to get a, uh, Ray has to get a flight in Des Moines, Iowa at a certain time. But they have a little bit more time that they can spend. How much more time do you have? Like a half hour or so. They're just going to be up here and, and, and I'll be here. And, um, and uh, uh, Pastor Bo, is that, Bo and Linda, you guys know, we just hired them. They're going to start in July. They came in for the weekend. And I'm going to invite Bo to come up. And, and uh, yeah. And we're just going to pray with you for whatever you need. You, whatever whatever's issues going on in your life, whatever's happening, we're just going to spend some time and pray. And, and maybe, Matt, you could just put some worship on in the background, and we're just going to have time. And I'm going to toss this to Randy here. If you need to go, whenever you need to go, you can go. And if you want to stay and worship with us and pray, then you can stay. Awesome. Certainly want to pray for anybody, like Jonathan said, that wants to pray. But I'm specifically, I'm specifically looking this morning for... Those people who, when you look at your sheet, 
the little one you filled out, you're like, I want to up these numbers. I, I want to experience trust and patience and kindness, both receiving and giving at a higher number in my life. And you flip it over and you see the things that you and the Lord identified were hindering love. I'll tell you what, if we, if we remove some of the intercessors uh, John was telling us before service saw, um, saw little, little builders chopping away, chopping down, knocking down walls and sweeping it away. That whole sense of, you know, whatever's got you walled in and walled off from others, from deeper love, from trusting and hoping, from uh, you know, protecting and enduring, whatever it is, you're like, you know what, I want that hindrance removed, knocked down and swept away so that I experience more of God's love and I'm able to love others more powerfully and meaningfully. And that's resonating in your heart. Uh, those, are, those are the people I want to encourage to come along with those who have other needs. Okay, So if you're like, I'm up in these numbers, Lord, you and me today, I want to get what's hindering love out. Yeah. And Kelly, would you just come up and play at the guitar or something? I like yeah. that. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks, Let's Kelly. go for it. So that's it. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs>